Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. That's right, folks. Live and in 3D. The time 3D where I sit. Um, so... This is the uh, community call. This is Section 520 uh, community call. And uh, I'm Rich Iverson. I'm here in California. I've been studying traffic law for the past 25, 30 years. And I help people understand the vehicle code and the driver's license and traffic stops and what their car is and what happens when you go to traffic court and what traffic court is what a tra- what a traffic commissioner is what the peace officer is and what the so-called traffic stop is um and uh I've discovered some really interesting things in my studies over the last 25 or 30 years. And I was mentioning to some of the guests in the room prior to activating the recording, I am convinced that driving is an occupation. It's a, it's a job. Driving is a job. Driver, the word driver, is a job title. And motor vehicle is a tool used in the transportation business. And transportation business is the business of hauling or carrying uh, a passenger or property for compensation. This is what I'm absolutely convinced of. The driver's license is an occupational license. It provides whoever it was issued to, to work in the transportation business. That's what I'm all about. This is what I teach people. Uh, I share information with people, my own personal experiences about being stopped, going to court, helping people with their cases. What I've seen in court would uh, turn your stomach. It's, it's not a pleasant scene, and uh, the odds are stacked against us, folks. We need to up our game because we're dealing with professional, well-trained, well-funded criminals. Now, here's something for you all to consider. Either those folks wearing the black robes, like those folks riding around in the cop cars and the highway patrol cars and the sheriff deputy cars with loaded guns and cattle prods and uh, long rifles, they either know what they're doing or they don't. Just that simple. If they don't know what they're doing, then they're incompetent. If they do know what they're doing, they're criminals. Now, this is not healthy for us. And as a result, we need to be about as aware as, let's say, um, who? Who might we let's, hmm, let's, I know, how about a pro tem? Yeah, 
maybe we need to be about as smart as the pro tem. Why not? A pro tem is an attorney. We don't have to be an attorney, but we can be as smart as them. All we need to do is stick the same information in front of our eyes that they stick in front of their eyes and let it rattle around in our brain a little bit and see what happens. I'm going to presume that everybody who's listening to this call um, has a capability of reading or having someone not within, you know, close proximity who can read to them what attorneys read. There's no reason for us not to know what I'm sharing. There is no reason for us not to know what I'm aware of. I'm not that smart, folks. I'm persistent as hell, but I'm really not that smart. I don't know how to get a house. I don't know how to get a credit card. I don't even know how to open up a bank account, and I don't want to know. It's too complicated for me. All those places have forms that are far longer than I want to stare at and figure out what they, what they, what they say, what, what, what all those words mean. I just don't want to do it, okay? So you guys are all smarter than me. Let's just start from there. But I found some cool information that everybody can use, especially people with cars. You see, I don't like being lied to, and I don't like being ripped off. And here's what I found after 25, 30 years of research into the DMD, the driver's license, traffic stops, police officers, traffic court, etc. It's a scam. Driving's a job. We've been misled. That's it. A driver is someone employed in the transportation business. They use a tool. That tool that they use in the transportation is identified as a motor vehicle. If you identify your property as a motor vehicle, it is or it isn't. Now, if you don't know what the DMV regulates and what the license is and what it permits, you're never going to be free. And you're going to be subjected to rules that don't apply to you or what you do. I'm going to read a court citation, and this has to do with what the DMV does. Now, again, the Department of Motor Vehicles is a sub-department within the Department of Transportation. So what the hell is transportation, folks? You're going to find out. Okay, this is a, uh, a court citation from 1946, and it's from the California Supreme Court. And the case is entitled In Ray Porterfield. In Ray Porterfield. That's three words. In Ray is R E, Porterfield, in reference to Porterfield. It's 28 Cal 2nd, 91. Now, for those of you just getting started with your legal studies, what Cal 2nd means is that's California Reports 2nd Edition. This is the second installment of court cases from California. So the very first installment, when California became a state, was 1850. So that would be just Cal. So this particular court case is from 1946, and it's in the second edition of court cases 
of California. And again, the case is entitled In Ray Porterfield. The solicitation by, this has, by the way, this case has to do with um, somebody issuing flyers in a neighborhood. Were it not for the direct application by the Supreme Court of the constitutional speech and assembly guarantees to the fact that the Thomas case, uh, there would seem to be little basis for arguing that the solicitation by Porterfield for compensation was not a business act subject to police regulation. So Porterfield was accused of engaging in a business act that's subject to police regulation. Soliciting. Soliciting has to do with business. Hey, uh, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? Uh, how about some mint? Um, would you like to help out our school? You know, we're, we're um, raising funds for, um, you know, our new gym and some, and some basketballs, okay? That's not a business act subject to regulation. Police regulation, folks, is applicable to business. This is very important to keep in mind when it comes to cars and what we're doing on the streets. Now, this next citation comes from a court case, likewise, the California Supreme Court. And this case is entitled Morell, M-O-R-E-L, versus the Railroad Commission of California. It was, in fact, the Railroad Commission that used to issue licenses. So Morell versus Railroad Commission of California. This is a 1938 California Supreme Court decision. It's 11, Cal 2nd, 488. 11, Cal 2nd, 488. This is what the court held. The state has the authority to regulate the use of public highways for business purposes. Come on, folks. Tell me you're getting it. Now, asking your buddy, asking your buddy for a few bucks for gas money isn't a business act subject to police regulation. Delivering pizza and driving a cab is. Now, cab driving is a business, is a business act subject to police regulation. Delivering pizza or flowers is also a business act subject to police regulation. What FedEx and UPS does is a business act subject to police regulation. In all three of those, or four, or five, however many occupations identified there, the vehicle code applies to each one. Pizzas aren't flowers. Flowers aren't passengers. Boxes aren't passengers. But the vehicle code applies to FedEx, UPS, cab drivers, pizza delivery people, flower delivery people. The equipment used by the driver in his occupation is called, come on folks, motor vehicle. 
the Class C driver's license, at least here in California, that's the class of license that's most often issued to people, Class C. Car, truck, you know, whatever. The majority of, of driver's licenses are going to be Class C. Well, as it turns out, the Class C driver's license permits lawful engagement in the occupation that the motor vehicle is used in. And the class, and, and again, the Class C driver license is an occupational license. And the rules in the vehicle code apply to those in the transportation business. Now, again, there's the Department of Transportation, and then there's the Department of Motor Vehicles within the Department of Transportation. What the hell is transportation? Well, let's see what some law dictionaries have to say, shall we? Transportation, the act or business of moving passengers and goods, the means of conveyance used, banishment, especially of convicts to a penal colony. (laughs) That works for me. That's what we should do with a lot of politicians. And you're going to see that in Bouvier's Law Dictionary from 1856. That's one definition. Here's another one. This is from Black's Law Dictionary, third edition from 1933. Transportation, the removal of goods or persons from one place to another by a carrier. Hey, folks, that's an important word, carrier. Carrier, look it up. It's in your public utility, public utility, commission, uh, public utility code. Okay, look up, look up, find out what carrier is. That's what, you, that's what you inadvertently identified yourself as, you and your property. You're a carrier, and a carrier has tools. The, the tools a carrier uses is a motor vehicle. <clears throat> Here's transportation from Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition from 1951, the removal of goods or persons from one place or another by a carrier. Here's another one, Black's Dictionary, sixth edition, the movement of goods or persons persons from one place to another by a carrier. So there we go. Here, Title 49, United States Code. This is from the United States Code, folks. This is what the government, the federal government defines transportation as. Transportation. Transportation means the movement of property and loading, unloading or storage incidental to the movement. Folks, we're not talking about you putting your car in the garage and taking your, uh, you know, your, your groceries out of the back seat. That's not what we're talking about there. Now, get ready for this. Believe it or not, and, and I would suggest everybody who, who hears this, everybody, everybody on this call, go to your vehicle code. Go to your state's vehicle code. Go to any state's vehicle code and see if you can, in the vehicle code, locate a definition for the word driving. Believe it or not, that term, the term driving, has not been defined in any of the codes of California by the legislature. But by understanding what a license is, it'll lead to the understanding of what driving is. So you don't have a direct definition provided by the legislature, the lawmaking body of the state, but you have indirect circumstantial evidence that tells you what it is. Like, for example, Morrell versus Railroad Commission of California. 
the state has the authority to regulate the use of the public highways for business purposes. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get in your car and you go to the grocery store to buy food, that's an errand. That's a chore. That's an uncompensated household thing you're doing. It's not your job. It's, it's just something you've got to do, okay? You're not being paid for it. So there's two types of use of the street, business and non-business purposes. When you get in your car to go to the grocery store, go to the mall, uh, go to the movies, go to the park, go to the beach, take your friend out to, to have a meal somewhere, go to your place of worship, you are not being paid. You are not driving. And when asking your, your friend for a couple of bucks for gasoline, you are not subjected to police regulation because that's not an, a business act regulated or subject to police regulation, unlike using a cab. The vehicle code applies to cabs and cab drivers, folks. If that's not what you do, it seems to me you have a record to correct. You have some folks that you need to be talking with. Get this straightened out. So the Department of Motor Vehicles regulates the tools used in the transportation business. And it also regulates the people who use the tools in the transportation business. That's to whom the vehicle code applies. It applies to state government employees, local government employees, and local employees who deliver pizzas or flowers or FedEx or UPS or work for a cab company, okay? Now, the, the vehicle code applies to v, DMV employees. There's rules in there that apply to them. You can go through the vehicle code and see what those rules are. It has to do with the administration of, of uh, the department. Then, within the vehicle code, you're, you're going to actually see rules that apply to uh, law enforcement officers. That's right. There's rules in the, in the vehicle code that apply to law enforcement officers. And then there's the rules that apply to a driver. So there's three groups to whom the vehicle code applies to primarily. Now, the vehicle code does not apply to me because I'm not in the same group as DMV employees. I'm not, I'm not similarly situated with DMV employees. And I'm not similarly situated with law enforcement departments. And I'm not similarly situated with cab drivers or pizza delivery people or flower delivery people or FedEx or UPS or, or drivers. I'm not, I'm not similarly situated with them either. I may look like them, but I, I don't do the same thing. Yes, I have a machine, 
and it's got a V8 engine in it, and I use it, and I use it for non-commercial travel. But it's not the same thing, even though it kind of looks like what someone in that category might use. So I'm not similarly situated with the people to whom the, the vehicle code applies. And if that's the case, what do I care if a cop accuses me of violating 5200-4008-223501-46, whatever. You net, pick a number, folks. Any number you want. What the hell do I care if you allege I violated, if it doesn't apply to me? Folks, what I'm attempting to do is pull the fear and anxiety out of traffic tickets and traffic court. Traffic court is where they resolve issues pertaining to business, transportation. Traffic equals commerce, okay? For those of you folks taking notes, uh, write down the word traffic and then make an equal sign and then write the word commerce. What the majority of people are doing is defining the word traffic as congestion. That's false. You're going you're gonna to screw yourself up. You're using the wrong definitions for words. You're going to screw yourself up. I don't sit in traffic. I sit in a bunch of, bunch of people who think that being surrounded by this many people going four miles an hour on a freeway where you can do 75 to 90, no problem, and nobody's going to care, they think it's normal. I don't. But it's not traffic. To me, it's retarded congestion. And unfortunately, I have to sit in it every once in a while, and I don't like it. But I know it's not traffic. Now, all those big rigs, that's different. Because all those big rigs in the slow lane, that's traffic. And I don't sit in that. And neither do you. You sit in the congestion. You don't sit behind all the traffic. So traffic does not mean congestion. It means commerce. It means business. Motor vehicle. That means equipment equals or another equal sign tool. Consumer goods equals my car. Because I, I, don't, I don't charge anybody. I don't get paid when I use it. You guys want a you want you want a you want a big uh, kind of like a glaring thing that's been you know it's kind of stared at us over over the decades we've seen it time and 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 again and we ignore it because it's like ooh it's just that kind of stuff so we we just ignore it you know free for non commercial use you guys install any software go on computer users I know you're out there. I know you're downloading stuff, and you know full well, you know full well that there's free and that there's licensed software. That's right. If you get a license for the software you downloaded or bought, it's not yours. You get to use it, but it doesn't belong to you. The, the, the shrink wrap may belong to you. The box may belong to you. The instruction manual may belong to you. The CD case, the CD comes in, may belong, may belong to you. The CD may actually belong to you, but guess what doesn't belong to you? The content. Because you got a license. 
you agreed to sign the license. Not yours, folks. However, there's software manufacturers out there who will give you free software, and you don't have to have a license. Did you notice how that works? So it's free for non-commercial use. If you're using it for commercial, you guess what you got to have? You got to have a license, folks. A rose by any other name. A rose is a rose is a rose. A license is a license is a license. We've been hoodwinked. We've had the wool pulled over our eyes. We've been buffaloed. Folks, we've been misled really, really bad. Now, anybody who's got a driver's license has to believe this. And they don't want to believe this, but that's not my problem. You're going to have to believe it. Um, If, as a lot of people believe, and they may not say this, but you just watch their behavior. If, as a lot of people believe, they can't use a car for any reason to go anywhere without their government employees' uh, permission, then when did such use become a crime? If you have a driver's license, then you have to believe that going anywhere for any reason is a crime. Now, why is that? Because if you, if you get pulled over, it's going to be by a cop, and cops only deal with crime. And by cop, I mean local police officer, highway patrol officer, or sheriff deputy. Cop. Okay? So if, if a cop's involved, crime is involved. If no crime is involved, no cop is involved. It's really simple, folks. Okay? So in order for you to maintain your sensibilities about this issue, you cannot think about what it is you're actually doing. You cannot think about what it is the license actually permits because you're going to be faced with um, a decision. And the decision is going to be kind of unpleasant. 99.9% of everybody who hears this doesn't do what the license permits. Now, what kind of what kind of proof or evidence would you would you uh, folks want in, in, in order to um, support that? Because because I, I I actually do have um, um, a lot of evidence that supports my assertion that um, the license permits the holder to do work. To be a, to do a job, to engage in an occupation or a profession, and I'll share some of the court citations with you because they're out there. And so courts have, in this connection, distinguished license vocations from vocations lawful per se. I'll repeat that. And so courts have, in this connection, distinguished licensed vocations from vocations lawful per se. You'll, you'll find that in a, uh, a 1909 Georgia Supreme Court decision. It's, in, it's entitled uh, Peginis, P-E-G, 
I-N-I-S, Paginis versus Atlanta. That's 1909. And it's 132, Georgia, G-A, short for Georgia, 302. So it's 132, Georgia, 302. Paginis versus Atlanta. And it's also found in U.S. versus McFarland. U.S. versus McFarland. That's a 1907 case. It's 28 app dc app dot d dot c app dc 552. 28 app app d as in dog c as in cow 552. This is from State versus Parker Distilling Company. This is a 1911 Missouri Supreme Court decision. 1911, folks. This is ancient history, and we're sitting around being bamboozled by these guys, these people who wanted to, to work for us. The kids, are, uh, the kids have been misled. Our parents have been misled. They paid for an education we didn't get. Somebody owes our parents, okay? And somebody owes us for all that traumatic crap we had to sit through for 12 years, those of us that didn't have the guts to drop out. Anyway, uh, this is from State versus Parker Distilling Company. Again, 1911. It's 236, Missouri, 219. 236 Missouri, 219. But, as has been said, a license law assumes the, the illegality of the business and denounces penalties upon those who pursue it without previously protecting themselves by procuring a license. Hey, all you folks in California, you know what uh, vehicle code section 12,500A is? A person may not drive a motor vehicle upon a highway unless a person then holds a valid driver's license issued under this code. That's a crime, ladies and gentlemen. That's a misdemeanor, driving without a license. 12,500A, driving without a license, is a crime. State versus Parker Distilling Company, 1911, 236, Missouri, 219. But as has been said, a license law assumes the illegality of the business and denounces penalties upon those who pursue it without previously protecting themselves by procuring a license. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to go to jail. You don't want to be fined. You better go get a license when you engage in a business that's regulated by the state. Oh, you don't know what occupations are regulated by the state? Once again, failure of the public school system. Once again, mom and dad got ripped off. Once again, we got traumatized and we got dripped off because when we became 18 and we graduated and we went into the world to, to be a productive, responsible human being in society, we weren't prepared properly. This is from Palmetto Fire Insurance Company versus BHA. Palmetto Fire Insurance Company versus BHA. A light, uh, this is a 1926 
federal case, 1926. It's 13 Fed Second 500. 13 Fed Second 500. This is out of New York. A license is merely a permit or privilege to do what would otherwise be unlawful. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a license, then you believe that using your car, which you have the unalienable right to acquire, possess, and enjoy, you can't use it to go to your place of worship. You can't use it to go to the store to buy food. You can't use it to go to the store to buy clothing. You have to believe it's a crime because the law backs that up. A license merely per, it, it is merely a permit or privilege to do what would otherwise be unlawful. You have to believe. You've been convinced that it's unlawful to use your car to go to your place of worship. That's not good. The purpose of it is to regulate and control the manner in which the business is conducted and prevent it being carried on in such a way as to ignore the public interest. Ladies and gentlemen, I sure as hell don't want a FedEx truck plowing into me. You folks know how crazy those guys are during the holidays, okay? I don't want a big brown wad of metallic stuff plowing into me, center punching me at 65 miles an hour, so yeah. I want there to be an agency, a department that regulates those big, brown, massive, metallic things and the people who use them because I don't feel like getting center punched. This is, uh, oh, by the way, uh, so I read the site. Now, this is from the Law of Automobiles by C. Charlie P. Barry. C. P. Barry. B. E. R. R-Y, Barry, like strawberry, of the St. Louis Bar, third edition, 1921, and you'll find this on page 107. A license is generally issued to an individual on account of his peculiar fitness for the business, trade, or profession which he is licensed to carry on for the purpose of identification and regulation. And in either case, to allow the license to be transferred uh, would be to thwart the purpose and intent of the law. The, uh, this citation is from uh, four cases. Uh, license is frequently used in a secondary sense to mean the written document, which is generally issued to the licensee upon his fulfilling all the requirements of law law relating to the licensed vehicle, business, or occupation. It is not essential to the authority or privilege itself and is issued principally as a matter of evidence. Hey, folks, what might happen uh, if you decided to divorce the DMV and you told them that you didn't want to work in that business anymore and they could have their privilege back and here's all their stuff back like the license and the plates and the pink slip and the, everything they gave they issued to you okay you send all that stuff back all right and so you don't have a driver's license anymore if there's no driver's license uh golly gosh uh and you don't have one the cop doesn't have one right there's no evidence hmm 
Huh. No evidence. I wonder how that can be useful in a court case. There's no evidence. Hmm. I wonder if that's a good thing. Yeah, folks. And and uh, there being no witness is a good thing, too. Okay? Especially a witness. And even if there is a witness. You know what? Let's say there's a witness. And let's say that witness saw you uh, in your car go by him. Did they witness a crime? Well, it's hard to say, right? There's other issues. Right. It's just like, just like when a cop pulls you over. I've uh, done a little uh, consultation with a, uh, a guy. This is kind of an interesting story. Um, the guy is, uh, was pulled over, and he was issued a citation. And the citation uh, cited uh, possession of grass, less than an ounce, and a, uh, a knife, which the officer had identified as double-bladed. And that's, that's what was on the citation. Now, according to the guy, he was pulled over for allegedly weaving. This is the term that the officer used, weaving. But the officer never cited weaving. They even had the guy do a, uh, a breathalyzer test. He blew, blew zeros, didn't have uh, – so the cop issued the citation and let the guy go after taking the pot and the, and the knife, okay? But they never cited him for weaving. They cited him for something they discovered after they had stopped him, okay? Here's why they stopped him. A tip. Ladies and gentlemen, the policeman who stopped the defendant didn't even witness the act that they pulled him over for. They weren't there. They didn't see it. He's got a really, really good case. Um, so eyeball witnesses are really good, and um, personal knowledge is better than hearsay. So it's really a good idea, folks, to go find this information I'm sharing with you so you can see it for yourself. Otherwise, all you have is hearsay. You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know what I do. You don't, don't believe me. Please, don't believe me. I'm just showing you where to look, folks. Go get this stuff. Make yourself aware of this. Share it with family and friends. Anybody who's got a car can use this information. All this information does is expose the lie, the lie that everybody with a driver's license has. Everybody has been subjected to the same lie. And if you do your job well enough, they'll get pissed off at you for telling them. Because <laughs> that's how people are in this country. <laughs> They're crazy. But, hey, whatever. you got to admit, this is one colorful country. Uh, here's another one. This is Chicago versus Gaul. G-A-L-L. -L. It's a 1916 case. And uh, never, you know what? Uh, the, I don't have a complete citation, so I'm not going to uh, read it. Read you the citation, but uh, it's Chicago versus Gaul, and the citation is is uh, 
erroneous. So I'm not, I'm not going to read that part, but it's a 1915 case, and this is what's found in it. A license of an automobile for carrying persons for hire does not create any contract between the city and the licensee. <clears throat> and the acceptance of the same does not impose any obligation upon the licensee to follow the business covered by the license. Folks, you may have a license, but that doesn't mean you actually do what the license permits. Now, if a cop pulls you over and cites you for driving on a suspended license or driving without a license or pretty much any other reason, um, the accuser has to prove you were on the job. And if they don't do that, uh-oh, they have a big problem in the evidence department. And that's because when it comes to crime, the accuser has to prove every element, every element. They have to prove you were a driver. They have to prove your property was a motor vehicle. They have to prove you were driving. You, 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 folks, what kind of evidence would they need? If you guys, if we're all on the same page, if I've done a reasonably good job persuading you folks that driving is an occupation, then what kind of evidence would the accuser have to produce to establish you did what they alleged? What comes flying out of their face is insufficient. Do they have a, a receipt? Do they have an invoice? Do they have a manifest? Do they have a bill of lading? Do they have any physical evidence that you were engaged in the occupation or the privilege the license permits at the time that they observed you, yes or no. They never prove it, folks. They never prove you were a driver. They never prove the metallic machine you were in was a motor vehicle. They never proved that you were being compensated when you were using it. If, if someone's with you and they identify them as a passenger, you got a receipt. If you have a receipt, I'll shut up, okay? If you got a receipt, I'll pay, Your Honor. Does he have a, does he have a receipt? Because if he's got a receipt, I'll just go ahead and pay. If he doesn't have a receipt, what are we doing here, Your Honor? Does he have any evidence? Or is he just standing here, you know, telling, you know, wasting everybody's time with this retarded cop story? I observed this, I observed that, I observed this, I observed that. Hey, folks, guess what? If you're using the wrong words, guess who else is using the wrong words? That's right, the cops. But if you don't know what the words are, you're, you can't bust them. You want to be able to bust them in open court. That, they can't leave, folks. They can't leave. You've got a captive audience. You could completely throttle the system in a traffic courtroom. There's people who say, no, you don't want to go to court. You know, and, uh, you know it's not, not a good idea. You shouldn't go to court. Uh, have a jury trial. Folks, I never want to have a jury trial. Never. Cops don't know what I know. Traffic court commissioners don't know what I know. You think I want to sit there with 12 people who, who, don't, who don't even know what, a plea, what, what the word pleading means, let alone how to prepare one or what a notice to appear is? I'm going to sit there and attempt to persuade 12 people I don't even know 
of, of the scam that they're sitting in the middle of, they would have one of two options if they heard me. That would be get up and get up and arrest the bailiff and the judge and you know all the other government employees in that building, or shut up, find me guilty. So I don't want a jury trial. I want I want it to be me and whoever's wearing the black robe because I can control them. I can't control twelve people, but I can control that one in the black robe. And even if they act out, it doesn't matter. I know enough stuff to say that on appeal got to be dealt with so he can have the last laugh here but i'm going to make sure that he or she whoever whoever wasn't following the rules by the way ladies and gentlemen speaking of following rules that's what a traffic stop is you're being accused of not following a rule well check this out there was a hearing today at the uh um house uh oversight and government reform committee you might want to check it out it's another installment of the flint michigan uh water fiasco and you're going to hear some outrage outraged federal government employees check this out folks it's really really simple it's really really simple guess what there's federal rules guess who didn't follow them that's right flint government employees in michigan didn't follow federal rules that's what this hearing exposed somebody needs an ass whooping and that's the way it works in our country. You break a rule, you get an ass whooping. Ask any little kid. They know what breaking the rule means. Ass whooping. You know, cookie before dinner. Uh-oh. You know, smoking cigarettes when you're uh, 12. <laughs> Uh-oh. Might not work too good. Okay? Ass whooping time. Folks, policemen are pulling pe- Law enforcement officers are pulling people over for violations of rules that apply to commerce. That's what's happening. If you're not involved in commerce, it's impossible to break a commercial rule. It doesn't apply to you. How is it even possible? It's not. They're wrong. And you need to figure out how to talk about this stuff so you don't get steamrolled when you wind up in court. Now here, uh, I think I read this court case last week, but I'll go ahead and read it again because this week we're, um, I'm recording. Uh, this is from a, a 1937 California case. It's People versus Galena. People versus Galena, 1937. This is, a, again, California case. It's 24 Cal App 2nd. That's Court of Appeals, California Court of Appeals. It's the second edition. And it's SUP, S-U-P-P. That means the appellate department of a superior court. It didn't go any higher. So this never went up to the Court of Appeals. This went up to an appellate department in a superior court. So if, if the attorneys thought that this was bad, they would have run it up, but they didn't. So it stopped at the appellate department of the, of the local superior court. And this is, what the, uh, this is what they found. This is what they held. The streets and highways are for the use of the traveling public, and as, me- as members of the public, all persons in like situation or similarly situated have equal rights to use the streets and highways in a reasonable manner in the customary way. Now, folks, you've got to ask yourself a question. What's a customary way? Because the court just gave you an out. 
the court just held that the streets and highways are for the use of the traveling public, and all persons in like situation have equal rights to use the streets and highways in a reasonable manner in the customary way. And what did we read about not getting a, a, a license first? What, 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 did we, what did we read about that, about having to procure a license first? Oh, yeah. Um, Chicago versus Gaul. A license of an automobile for carrying persons for hire does not create any contract between the city and the licensee. No, it's between the state and the licensee. And the acceptance of the same does not impose any obligation upon the licensee to follow the business covered by the license. If you have a driver's license, folks, the state believes you're in business. They believe you're an employee in the transportation business. When cops pull you over and they ask you for your driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. They're presuming you're in the transportation business. They don't know that's what they're doing. That's the advantage you have, folks. You know what cops don't know. That's useful. You see, they believe they can take advantage of you. Uh, you know why I pulled you over? That's an invitation to waive your right to remain silent. We don't think about it like that, though. No, they got us uh, upside down, underwater, and swimming through cement. That's how bad this stuff is, folks. But you folks uh, participating in the call and you folks listening to this, um, I really want to uh, commend you and um, tell you how much I appreciate making the, you, you making the time to hear this stuff because all you're doing is improving your situation. What I'm telling you is true or false. There's no middle ground. True or false, that's it, okay? Again, you guys don't know me. You don't, you don't know anything about me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know anything. Don't believe me. Go find this stuff. Look, collect. Collect this stuff. If you have a, a computer then presumptively you know how to make a little uh, digital uh, folder in your file manager. Ladies and gentlemen, I have court cases on just about everything. You pick a topic, I probably have, well, except like uh, adultery and that kind of stuff. I don't deal with that, but, or family law stuff. But I, I've, got, I've got court cases on everything related to this. Warrant, you know, stops, warrants, Fourth Amendment, you name it. I have a... I have a compilation of Fourth Amendment cases, over 450 pages, just Fourth Amendment cases. And I don't even use the Fourth Amendment. But you know what? Those court cases have a lot of very, very valuable information in them. And one of the best things you can take away from this, this conversation, this, well, it's a monologue, actually. Uh, but one of the positive things you can take away from this is all this stuff is out there. It's all written down. Every answer to every question you have about the DMV and the driver's license and all of it is in the law library. If you don't know where it is, you're missing out because you pay for it. The taxpayers pay for the law library and all the books that are on the shelves and everything in the books. You paid for it. You paid to have all that ink spilled 
and committed to print. That's your record about how your government works. It's your government. If you don't know the rules that apply to judges or judicial officers, and you don't know the rules that apply to police, and you don't know what a traffic stop really is, and you don't know what a motor vehicle really is, and you don't know what a notice to appear really is, or as it's called in some jurisdictions, a citation, you really, you really plan on being successful in court? There's people who are going into court tomorrow and they're not going to recite anything. They're not going to sit at home with their cliffs notes and go over what they're going to say tomorrow. They're not going to do that. That's foolish. The people that they're faced off with say what they say every day. Cops say the same stuff. They got cop lingo. You got judicial officers, commissioners, and judges. They say the same kind of stuff. You got bailiffs. They say, say the same kind of stuff. And then you walk into their zone and you start blathering on about what you think is important and how it works. How do you think they're going to treat you? They know you haven't put in the time. They know that you haven't invested in what you need to invest in in order to convince them that you're not someone to be toyed with. Now, there was a guy, um, I was on a, a, a call uh, last week, I believe, and a um, guy from Wisconsin called. And a uh, very, uh, very astute man. He seemed to know his business. And, he, and what I heard from him, tonally speaking, was stumped. He's completely stumped. He has absolutely no, I, I, no idea why, after he said all this cool stuff that he recited you know, when he was telling the story, why the court uh, rolled over him. He couldn't, he couldn't figure he was He was just stumped. And I know that this guy has done what I've done. And he's done what a whole lot of people have done that I'm, I'm aware of who study law. He's sitting there staring at the rules, the words that were written by Supreme Court justices or the legislature. And what he's witnessing is something 100 degrees, 180 degrees in opposition to everything he's read. Ladies and gentlemen, in over 25 years of studying this stuff, I've read at least 10,000 court cases. I've got well more than that, but I've read at least that many. And I'm here to tell you, what I witness in a courtroom has no, no relation to the court cases I've read. The stuff that I have witnessed is something that, that, that ought to be in an Edgar Allan Poe series. I mean, this stuff is just absolutely shocking what's happening. And if people could get past their fear and trepidation and anxiety about these issues, then maybe they will participate in a more effective way with those of us who are attempting to expose this stuff because it's no fun. I know the law. If I don't know the law by now, um, maybe I really am too deep. But I sit here day in and day out, folks. Is all I read? Is all I talk? Well, not all I read. I mean, I 
I do have other interests, but um, for the last month and a half, I've been composing every day. That's what I do every single day. I read court cases. I look for cool and groovy phrases, words, sentences, the way judges have couched, you know, a concept or something. I look for that kind of stuff. And um, uh, because it's my intention that if someone rolls up on me and says um, uh, something about the vehicle code or a traffic ticket or something that's not true, I I know what they're telling, if, if they know what I'm aware of. Now, I don't know everything, but I know a hell of a lot. And whoever uh, calls me out on these issues is going to have their hands full, that's for sure. So I would encourage you folks to, number one, find your local law library because you pay for it. Um, and there's some really – there is so much great information in that place. It's incredible. It may not be very big. You might also go to a university if you've got a university in your town. They may have a, uh, uh, a a law section in their library as well. Um, but this stuff is really not that difficult. You just have to know what you're doing. You have to know what your property actually is, some rules that apply to the cops, and some rules that apply to judicial officers. And um, um, we can be much more effective at, at, at this work because, you know, nobody likes to lose, and nobody likes being lied to or cheated, and that's that's what I'm that's what I'm attempting to expose is the fact that the people who wanted to work for us, they wanted to help us, uh, you know, protect our stuff and our rights, they're, they're they're cheating us. We're being subjected to extortion and terror. It's institutionalized across the country, right now, thousands upon. Thousands of people in this country are being pulled over. No, that's not true. They're being arrested without a warrant for non-criminal behavior, and the cop who's doing it is getting paid. And those people might lose their car, and if they have anything in their car, they might lose that too based on the civil asset forfeiture bullshit. It's called theft, okay? It's theft, folks. That's what it is. And the American people are tolerating it by government employees. You have to, uh, they're alleging that the thing, this inanimate object, committed a crime. Really? Well, if that's the case, then presumptively, the, um, like in this guy's case, his knife is entitled to a jury trial and an attorney paid for public expense and it could go to jail. Folks, civil asset forfeits forfeiture is absurd. It's a crime. Your government employees are stealing, okay? And it's not unlike what's happening at the airport. Same thing. You're being subjected to civil asset forfeiture. Do any of those people who pat you down and touch your crotch, um, do they have a warrant? they have a court order permitting them to do that? Oh, no, that's right. All the folks getting on the plane volunteered. They consented. Good, got it. Okay, well, enough of my snarky cynicism. If anybody has a question or comment they'd like to throw out there, why don't we do some of that for a little bit? I love it, the ambiguous king. (laughs) Working in the field of law. All right. Okay, uh, if there's no questions or comments, um, 
Let me thank everybody for stopping by. I do appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. And um, uh, I got, hopefully I... I Hello? I got a little fire. Um, one, uh, one. Did you uh, research um, domicile? From, no. From last... Okay. No, okay. but um, you you can you can do the research on domicile, and I'll I'll stick to the car stuff. Okay, I got my hands full. Oh yeah, well we but, just it, it just related to. Uh, uh, you know, state citizen and that stuff. Right, this is true. Um, but again, uh, le- leaving all that stuff off to the side, um, I think what p- the, the major I, I think that that's going to be a little bit too complicated complicated for the vast majority of people uh, to to execute. It, it takes time to do it. Number one, what I'm suggesting people do <clears throat> without without going through the process of um, abandoning U.S. Inc. and then reclaiming your state birthrights, if you have a lot of contracts, that's not going to be a smart move anyway. Because you, you have to get rid of all your contracts. I mean, I'm talking all your contracts. This is a, this is a time-consuming and a, a detail-oriented thing you got to do here. But um, the, the arguments that are, are the – what I've developed – is primarily geared for U.S. citizens. You know, people people who are U.S. citizens. You guys can use the the arguments that I've created because I've created them for you. I can use an entirely different argument you guys can't use, and I and I I have that available for me. But what I but but what I'd like to see is all of us being freed from this this situation because we were misled. The basis of getting the driver's license is fraud. And as a result, the contract the, uh, w- with the state is um, um, corrupt. Okay? So if, if you didn't know when you applied for the driver's license that you were, you were actually asking the state for its permission to engage in an occupation, and you know that now, uh, I just tipped you off to fraud, and you got to do something about it. Sorry. <laughs> you can't keep the shit if you got it by fraud, because that makes you an accessory to it. Make sense? Right, right. Yeah, okay. it came up because uh, uh, last week I, I was asking you about some of the um, – uh, notices and stuff you have on your automobile. Yeah, those. Yeah, those just have to do with. Uh, they don't have to do with my status. It, it, it has to do with. Um, it, basically, it's. Um, you know, you, you guys might find this kind of humorous, but this is a word that's used often. You'll, you'll see this used in court cases, but the term prophylactic. Okay, my notices are prophylactics. Okay, it enhances my immunity. You see, I'm immune from arrest for non-criminal behavior. A lot of people don't understand what that means. When I'm exercising a secured right, like uh, standing out in the street with a friend throwing a Frisbee, 
that the vehicle code doesn't regulate that. So if a cop uh, issues me a citation for uh, violating the vehicle code for throwing a Frisbee in the street, I can't be found guilty. It's impossible. Why? That doesn't apply to me. So the little um, notices that I've made for myself are, are technically uh, prophylactics or, or, a, or a bulwark or a wall between me and the government employee. <clears throat> okay? It's like, hey, pal, you do what you want, but here's the risks you're going to assume if you do that. Now, if I get pulled over and a cop wants to go ahead and take my truck, you know, uh, um, I'm probably going to be really, really upset, and I'm going to be doing my best to maintain my composure. And um, uh, it, it, and by the time the tow truck comes out there, I'm more than likely going to arrest the policeman. I'm going to ask that he get his supervisor out there. And then when the tow truck shows up, uh, I'm going to notify the officer's supervisor that I'm placing him under arrest for grand theft. He's taken uh, personal property, absolutely own personal property, for non-criminal behavior, and he doesn't have a warrant, and it's before I've had my day in court. You want to explain to me how that's legal? Well, it's legal if I registered my car. Why? Because when I register my car, the state acquires a security interest in it. Guess what, they're, guess what the cop takes when he's taking your car? He's recovering their security interest, and they're hanging on to it to it till you make good on your contract. It's all breach of agreement stuff, folks. You got a contract with a crew you shouldn't be contracting with. It's not a crime to use your car to go to your place of worship. Okay? It's it's okay. It's not it's not a crime. You can do it. You can actually do it. You're actually immune from arrest unless you commit a crime. But people don't know that the traffic stop is an arrest. You know, you know when they start believing it. You want to know? After they get a, after they get a ticket, <laughs> that's when they start believing it. Hey, everybody, go get a ticket, please. I want you to believe you're being arrested. All right. <laughs> hey, why am I being arrested? And if you folks are being arrested, you're going to be upset. If you're not upset, there's something wrong with you. Because you, you cannot be arrested for non-criminal behavior. It's illegal. The cop broke the law. And if that doesn't piss you off, there's something wrong with you. It's bad enough. We're doing, we're, it's bad enough that we've got this, this little uh, permission slip from the state to do something we never do. That's bad enough. But then paying on top of it, to do what we don't do because some cop alleged I either did or didn't do something I was supposed to do in this book. But that book doesn't apply to me. Oh, well, uh, it does now. Oh, okay. Can, can you see the chat? Yeah, do you ever, uh, you ever motion to quash summons? Uh, no, I, I, I motion to quash the whole freaking thing. Because because that notice to appear is not a summons. 
It's a promise. A summons doesn't require a promise. A summons is get your ass over here by this date or else. That's what a summons is. A summons, look, for all you folks that have done small claims action, you know what I'm talking about. There's a summons and a complaint. The two are not the same. One is one, the other is the other. A notice to appear is a notice to appear. Complaint begins with the word C, not N. The notice to appear is a notice. This Friday, barn dance over at uh, Johnson's Barn, okay? Bring a date, your date gets in free. Okay, that's notice. Okay, the, uh, the Santa Clara County Fair begins on July 28th. That's notice. A complaint has a cause of action. Have you ever seen a complaint? Have any of you folks seen a complaint? A complaint is, is structured differently than a notice to appear. Oh, and uh, again, those, you know, the devil's in the details, those technicality things. A notice to appear is not signed by an attorney. If you're accused of a crime, you know who prepares a criminal complaint? An attorney. You know who signs a criminal complaint? An attorney. A notice to appear is not a complaint. How the hell is a court acquiring jurisdiction to go to trial? You don't have a criminal complaint in the majority of traffic stops. Now, what's going on here? This is a national disgrace that people don't, the majority of people don't know this stuff. And as a result, we're, we're losing money and we're being subjected to this fear. We're in a constant state of fear. We get in our car. The only reason we feel, you want to, you want to check your, your confidence level, okay? If you folks really want to test how confident you are, okay, that you have secured rights, you have constitutionally secured rights or you have civil rights or whatever you want to call those rights, if you believe you have them, Take the plates off your car. Just go take the plates off your car uh, tomorrow morning and ride around with no plates. That's all you got to do, and you'll find out how free you are. So, as, so as far as the motion to quash goes, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do a motion to quash the paper. I do a, a quash to, to turn off the entire event. Why? Well. Because if we think about how it all started, that's where we're going to begin our defense. That's where we're going to begin shooting. Does that make sense? It started with the cop. The cop observed something. And then the cop evaluated what they observed. And then based on their evaluation, they came to a conclusion. If those red lights go on, this is what you know. You know that the officer determined, according to the court, all kinds of courts, state and federal, and the legislature in California in the vehicle code where they identified the procedures applicable to peace officers who enforce the vehicle code as procedures on arrest, we've been arrested. Arrested. We're being arrested. Okay, we're being arrested by a cop. Did he observe a crime? Now, this poor guy up in Wisconsin, I don't know what questions he asked. It was a typical, you know, hard luck story. 
but I don't have a transcript, so I have no idea what questions he posed to the officer or how they were posed. You gotta know. You gotta know some stuff, man. I mean, folks, you, you have to. The traffic stop is an arrest. Period. It's an arrest. If a cop's involved, it has to be a crime. All you folks on this call, everybody who listens to this, go to your state constitution. Look for the word. Look for two words: probable cause. Okay? No probable cause. No valid arrest. You got it. Yeah, the, the, the big daddy piece of paper says probable cause. You've got to have probable cause to get a warrant. What's a warrant for? Crime. So you can't get a warrant unless you have probable cause. A cop can't arrest you without probable cause. A traffic stop for a fine-only offense where they just want your money is not a crime. Cops are arresting people without a warrant for non-criminal behavior. Why is that not front page news? The hell with Marco Rubio dropping out. Who cares? Hey, I'm not going to be in front of Marco Rubio in traffic court. Marco Rubio, you know, or Kasich, or Trump, or Cruz, or Hillary Clinton, or Bernie Sanders, these people aren't pulling me over. They're idiots. They don't know any of this. I don't care about them. I care about the cops, and I care about those dress-wearing freaks sitting on the bench because they don't know what they're doing. And if they do know what they're doing, it's even worse because, again, they're either incompetent or they're criminals. Infractions are not crimes. In California, infractions are not crimes. You cannot be arrested and subjected to a criminal prosecution if you haven't committed a crime, if no crime has been alleged. And when it comes to fuzzy dice, talking on a cell phone, not wearing a seatbelt, 5, 10 miles over the speed limit, overly tinted windows, burned out taillight, expired pad, no plates, speeding, not a crime. And it's not front page news. And this is acceptable. I just read a case. Um, here's a case for you guys to check out. This is actually really good. Um, I don't know if any of you, any of you folks heard about this. Uh, I think he was an Air Force uh, guy. Let me uh, pull this up real quick. Here we go. Okay, the guy's name is Reinerson. Reinerson, R-Y-N-E-A-R-S-O-N. He was a major in the United States Air Force. And he was stopped at a uh, border checkpoint. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a buzzkill with this. It's it's only a 15 page uh, ruling, but I would suggest you guys go see it. You want to see how screwed up the courts are? The dissenting opinion. The the dissenting opinion. This is a three court panel. A uh, three judge panel. So the two the, the majority. The two judges uh, found in favor of the United States and the uh, agents. The federal agents, the border checkpoint people, but the dissenting judge hit the nail on the head. It's the dissenting opinion that will tell you why what the man, wh- why the government should have lost. But it's N Y N E A R S O N Reinerson, and uh, the case number is one three dash five. One 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 four. 
So it's uh, 13-51114. Reinerson versus United States. This is in the Fifth Circuit. This is a, a federal case. And it, and it just came down on the 26th of February. This is hot off the griddle, folks. Hot off the griddle. Some good stuff in there. So uh, there that is. Um, anything else? I mean, look, I go ahead. Two short ones. Uh, yeah. One, could you could you put it or say it that your notices on your car uh, is building the record ahead of time? Hell yeah, because what I'm doing is, you know, okay. Now, I'm going to presume that everybody is aware that when they're subjected to what, you know, is commonly called a traffic stop, that secured rights are, are denied. Are, are we in agreement on that point? Yes. Okay, great. So it's, it's important for you to determine what those rights are that are denied by the cop. Now, you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. That's one of those, those rights, correct? Yeah. Okay. So your highest level of, of expectation of privacy is in your home with the curtains shut, right? Yes. And the lights turned off, right? Yes. Okay. So, right, so when you get in your car, eh, right? Becomes less, doesn't it? Considerably less. Very good, but the courts have recognized you still got some. That's the that's the good part because um, there's that metallic door, so a cop can't see below that part, right? Yeah. A, a, a cop can't see in your wall in, in your wall. He can't see through the seat. So there's a reasonable expectation of privacy. Now, <clears throat> if you had tinting to your windows, you just enhanced it, didn't you? Right. If you wear a baseball cap, you just enhanced it, didn't you? If you wear sunglasses, you just enhanced your privacy, didn't you? Yes. If you grow facial hair like a beard or something, right? You just, you see what you're doing? You're enhancing your reasonable expectation of privacy, right? So you can point to all that stuff. Officer, uh, when you approached me, uh, uh, what did you observe? Well, you were sitting behind the wheel. Can you kind of tell us uh, what I was wearing? Well, you're wearing a baseball cap and some sunglasses. Uh, okay, and uh, facial hair. Well, yeah, you had a beard. Okay, great. You see what I did? I got the cop to acknowledge what I did to enhance my privacy. You see? Yeah. Okay, so I know that one of my rights when I go out into the world is affected, and that right has to do with privacy. And I also have property rights. So I'm doing two things with my notices. I'm enhancing my reasonable expectation of privacy, and I'm notifying the outside world to whom this property belongs by name, and I'm letting everybody know, hey, you touched this thing, you bought it. Yeah, I like that one. All right? So the deal, so all that is is a contract. All right, you notice, you know, you can go down, you can go through your neighborhood and you can see for sale signs on cars. Right. I put a for sale sign on your car, okay? 
and then and then put a notice in it, notice of sale, and lay that and, and lay that over the uh, VIN number. Then that way they can never claim they didn't see it, right? <laughs> Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I had a I had a parking enforcement officer actually admit <laughs> that he didn't see the notices <laughs> that were covering the VIN number. That were not more than an inch from the warning placed on uh, under my windshield wiper blade. He said he didn't see them. That's really funny. <laughs> because the dashboard's black, and the notice is in, is white. Yeah, and and nobody, but nobody, does this except me. There's probably well, there's there's a few people who who've done it since I I started doing it, but. Um, no, it's all right out there. Put a put a for sale sign on your car. Keep a couple of for sale signs and a no trespassing sign in it. Put a for sale sign in the back window, and then put one on you know for the dashboard when you you know put it someplace, and then a no trespassing sign. You know, put that uh, on the console between the seats. That way, if someone walks up to your car and looks in, they see no trespassing, right? Yeah. And I got you, jerk. Get away from my car, right? <laughs> you see. Yep, yep. So these are these are preventative uh, measures. Now check this out. A license plate supposedly is a way to uh, monitor a car in case of it gets ripped off or in an accident or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, what what would happen if you put the seal associate or or the or the um, uh, coat of arms of your family on each door? One on one on on either door on either you know side of the car would wouldn't that work? It'd certainly identify your car. Hell yeah! You know what a seal is? It's just a circle, right? Yeah. So stick stick your family name in there, the Great Seal of the House of uh, Iodote. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, we don't want to get it stolen. Great. Who's going to steal this with this big old, you know, big old seal on the door, you know? Pretty distinguishable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's pretty juvenile. What's that? What did you say? I don't know who that was. It sounded a little like Paris, but I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought I heard the word juvenile. Anyway, um... At the end of the day, we have uh, options available to us. And the sooner that, that people can kind of, you know, not just kind of, the sooner that people take a look at some of the information I've been staring at for 20 years, the sooner this stuff is going to stop because nobody in their right mind is going to tolerate this bullshit. We're being lied to and we're being ripped off by the people who wanted to work for us. Now, if you owned a business and you caught one of your employees sticking their hand in the till and taking out 10 bucks, you'd fire them right then and there. But cops are being paid for this stuff. There was, a, there was an article um, a, a, about six months ago, and I've talked about it, I think, during this broadcast and other broadcasts. This kid, typical teenager, uh, teenage guy riding his bicycle with no hands. All right, well, a cop saw him and followed him home. The reason a cop followed him home was because he wasn't wearing a bicycle helmet. Well, guess what? If you don't have a contract with the vehicle code, you're not required to wear a bicycle helmet. And even if you did, it's only an infraction. It's not a crime. Anyway, the kid goes in the house. The cop 
gets out of the car, walks up to the front door, knocks on the door, and asks the parents to send out their son because he wants to issue him a ticket for not wearing a helmet, a bicycle helmet. Well, the parents don't want to let the kid out because they're afraid the cop's going to take him to jail. The cop convinces him, nah, just going to issue him a ticket for no bicycle helmet. He wasn't wearing a bicycle helmet. Now, parents, mom and dad give in. They let the son come out. By this time, there's six cops on scene. Count them, six. We're talking six cops. They got cop cars. Cop cars use gasoline. Gasoline costs money. That's what the tax dollars are paying for. They didn't turn their cars off. They leave their cars running. There's six cops on scene for a kid who didn't wear a bicycle helmet. It's insane. They would would the cop do? Handcuffed him, took the kid to jail. Those cops, all those cops got paid for assault and battery, being accessories to the crime of, of, of assault and battery, trespass, false imprisonment. What else do we have? Uh, for starters. And they get, they get paid. They're still on the job. No reprimand. I must have called city council members' offices probably four or five times on that issue alone. I go, are you guys aware that infractions are not crimes? Are you aware that that um, what's going to happen is this kid's parents are going to sue Los Angeles. Are you guys aware of this? They're going to sue Los Angeles because, because of what they did to, your, to their son, okay? And you know what? They're going to win. And what that means is, is all the constituents in your district, you know, the district you happen in, they're going to have to pay more money for services. Why? Because your insurance costs are going to go up. Why? Because cops screwed up again, and they cost all the taxpayers this amount of money. So you guys are going to experience increased insurance costs, and people are not going to want to come here because they find out that the cops are a bunch of jerks, you know, hassling people who are not wearing a bicycle helmet, for God's sake. They, they can ride a bicycle with no hands, but apparently they can't do that without wearing a helmet. It's insane, folks. So let's see. If you're riding a bicycle without your hands, that's okay. But you can't ride without a helmet. That's not okay. This is, this is folks, it, it's got to stop, okay? It's just got to stop. Now, here's some good news. <clears throat> Speaking of bicycles, in 2005, there was this incredible story out of Palo Alto, California, up where Stanford is. It's up in the Bay Area, Silicon the Silicon Pit. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, they're taking that valley and they're taking, they have wiped out food production. That valley used to be nothing but food production. And now it's asphalt and buildings. Anyway, so um, what happened was a cop saw a kid riding his bicycle in Palo Alto. And the kid had one hand on the handlebars, and he was talking on a cell phone. Cop pulled him over and issued him a ticket, what we call a ticket, what everybody calls a ticket. You know what the cop did subsequent to that? There was a, uh, there was a bicycle group that found out what happened to this kid, and, and they got all up in arms about it. And as a result, the officer, the officer who, who subjected this kid to a, an arrest without a warrant for non-criminal behavior, called the kid and apologized, and the ticket was dismissed, and he didn't have to go to court. Well, that's a little something. Hey, it can be done. 
take a look at uh, vehicle code section, California vehicle code section 40500D as in Delta. D as in Delta. Okay, here's the deal. Um, one, two, three, four. Oh, here we go. Okay, now, this is what we have available to us in California. Um, this is at vehicle code section 40500. Again, D is in Delta. And it, and it provides a relevant part. If. After the arrested person, see, the legislature is telling us right in the vehicle code we're arrested. If after the arrested person has signed and received a copy of the notice to appear, the arresting officer or other officer of the issuing agency determines that in the interest of justice, the citation or notice should be dismissed, the arresting agency may recommend in writing to the magistrate or judge that the case be dismissed. The recommendation shall cite the reasons for the recommendation and be filed with the court. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write to the head honcho of the department that uh, John Law worked for, and I'm going to submit a personnel complaint. And I'm going to let the head honcho know that one of his agents screwed up and that the legislature has provided the officer and the agency with the discretion to recommend that the matter be dismissed in, uh, or, or, or terminated in the interest of justice. And I'm going to provide the following reason. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the head honcho's hands dirty. I'm going to get the head honcho involved in this. I'm going to get his his second-in-command involved. I know that if I, that by sending a letter to the head honcho of the highway patrol or the sheriff or the police department, that more than one somebody is going to look at that letter. They're going to, more than one somebody is going to touch it. The more people who are involved, the more witnesses I can subpoena. I'll be able to subpoena the chief of police or the sheriff or the head of the highway patrol. I'll be able to subpoena other employees of the police department as well to discuss the letter and why they didn't respond to me. Folks, one of the primary issues that I've been observing when I watch hearings from Washington, and again, the House Government uh, uh, Oversight and Government Reform Committee <clears throat> is a committee that looks into government corruption. These guys are the ones who determine if, if uh, their crew's following the rules or not. It's an amazing, uh, it's amazing to watch. I mean, if you want to you find out how to examine witnesses, watch these professional attorneys do it. <clears throat> That's what they did today. A whole bunch of attorneys grilled uh, witnesses regarding the Flint water situation. Um, so in any event, um, I'm going to get as many people's hands dirty as possible. And I'm driving up their costs in the process. Everybody who looks at my complaint, my, my personnel complaint, they're on the clock. They're not going to volunteer to do anything. 
That's man hours. This is costing the municipality money. They're not going to see a dime until they get paid. So everything for them is, is red ink. It's all outlay. So I want, what I want from the head honcho is, actually, here's a, this is a kind of an interesting citation. This is from a case entitled Ringer versus Municipal Court of Modesto. Ringer versus Municipal Court of Modesto. This is in California. This is uh, 175 Cal App Second 786. 175 Cal App Second 786. This is a Court of Appeals decision from 1959. The issue must be at least raised before plea is entered at arraignment. So what I'm doing is I'm notifying before arraignment the head of the department or agency that the cop worked for that I was subjected to an illegal arrest for non-criminal behavior. And I'm not going to back off that position. They're going to tell me where the authorization is for a cop, a law enforcement officer, to make a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior. I'm not backing off. There's no reason to, because without legislative authorization, a cop can't make a warrantless arrest. They can't enforce the code. You get it? They can't enforce the code. They can't stop you. A stop is an arrest. They can't stop you unless they observe criminal conduct and an infraction is not a crime. A fine-only offense is not a crime. It doesn't matter what they call it. Not wearing a seatbelt in Texas is a misdemeanor. Not wearing a seatbelt in California is an infraction. But guess what? They're both fine-only offenses. So you know what, what misdemeanor is in Texas? It's a legal term of art. It's got a meaning different than what it means in California. In California... A misdemeanor is a crime. In Texas, that's the way they treat it, but they just want your money. Do you get, do you get a, um, a jury trial? No. Going to go to jail? No. Get an attorney paid for a public expense? No. Can't be a crime. Because when you're accused of a crime, you're entitled to a trial by jury. It's a, it's, it's a secured right. I mean, I'm, I don't ever want to have one as far as a traffic trial goes, but it's my right to have one. And I'm going to use that um, in, as a part of my defense. So by the time I get to arraignment, I'm already going to have laid some groundwork. Hey, chief, one of your kids screwed up. You're going to, you're going to take care of this or what? Okay, you don't want to take care of this. All right, we'll see you in court, pal. Hey, chief, um, did you get a copy of this, this letter? And I have the bailiff hand it to you. Did you get a copy of that? You see that? Yeah, you did, right. Did you respond to it? Oh, okay, thanks. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get a lot of people's hands dirty. They, they owe me an explanation. I don't owe them the time of day. They work for me, not the other way around. That's the way we have to think. We have to start reading from the, the boss script. We have to read from the employer script, not the employee script. 
Okay, pretend this is a movie. Okay, you own the house. You're not part of the, the landscape crew, okay? You own the house. The gardeners are different. They don't tell you what the, you know, the owner of the house to do, okay? You're the owner, so your employees don't tell you what to do, okay? And that's what they're doing. They're telling us what to do. And so it's important for us to get the lingo dialed in, become somewhat proficient at, at expressing it, and then, and then acquiring the information upon which our assertions are based. Go to your state constitution and locate the section regarding arrest and probable cause, okay? Officer, what was your probable cause for the arrest? That question, right, that takes, that we're going right over to the, to the constitution. That's where I'm going with that question. That's a question I can ask the officer. Officer, what was your probable cause for the stop? You might say fuzzy dice or burned out taillight. Thank you. Now, I'm going to use that against him. Do you, uh, you folks, honest to God, believe that a cop could go in front of a judge and get a warrant for your arrest for fuzzy dice hanging from your mirror or a burned-out taillight? Ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. These guys are making warrantless arrests for non-criminal conduct, and it's not front-page news. And people are more pissed off about Donald Trump, for God's sake, than they are about this. Donald Trump didn't pull anybody over. He didn't. He didn't impose any fines on anybody. But you know who? who you know why people should be pissed off at at least Hillary? Because she's getting away with what you never would. Everybody on this call is going to pay a parking ticket. If you know what parking is, you won't have to. But <laughs> most people are going to do that. Everybody who's paid a parking ticket has a vested interest in Hillary Clinton being prosecuted and sent to jail. Why? Because she's breaking the law. You allegedly broke the law, and you had to pay. If it's good for you, how come it's not good for her? She wants to be an employee. Fine. Follow the rules. You don't want to follow the rules? Go to jail. It's good for the boss. It's good for the employee, right? Come on, folks. Anyway... Any other questions or comments? Yeah, one last thing. I want you to listen to... Are you familiar with Kurt Riggin? Uh, no. There's two really good... Um, if you go to... Uh, there's, there's two good interviews on TalkShoe. The, the call number is 59615. No Confidence is the name of the show. This guy, he's just worth listening to. Um he was helping a guy in Denver. Uh, he he tells how many. I think it was. Uh, it's one of the suburb towns of Denver, and there was like four or five hundred intersections in the town. There are two that have provision for blind people to cross. Yeah. And this uh, this man was crossing at one of the other than the two, did his best to listen and determine traffic, etc. cetera, uh, walked out a lady who even said, I had the green arrow 
and I didn't get out, and he didn't get out of the way, so I hit him. Oh my God! She said that. She said she said that hard enough that he bounced up and broke her windshield. Okay. And let me let, 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 wait, let me let me let me pause you right there because um, uh, there, there's something really important here. Now, now she she said what she said, right? She hit him. Yeah. Okay. That's called an admission and confession in the legal trade. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So that that's one thing that <laughs> witnesses don't like to do is make admissions and confessions because <laughs> that's what's used against them. <laughs> oh well, it gets way better. Oh, go! So, All right. There's more. So the cop pulls up. And gives the guy, the broken up guy, laying on the sidewalk, a ticket for destruction of property. Did he? Personal so property he, or public property? Well, her windshield, so I guess it would be. Oh, well, that's not a. Okay, number one, that's not a crime, so, okay, go ahead. So, anyway, when, when he. You really have to listen, I can't do him justice, but he tells us he was helping the guy in court. And he gets the cop on the stand, and the cop says this stuff about his training. He determined with the guy's watery, bloodshot eyes that the guy was uh, on, drunk or on drugs. So the guy's sitting there, and he said, uh, could, could, you, uh, could you show me one of your eyes? So the guy pops out his glass eye, and he holds it up under the cop's nose on the stand. and. Uh, Oh, there was something about glassy appearance in there also. So, you know, I guess that would explain the glassy appearance. And he asked the guy, he said, do you have another set of eyes that are bloodshot that you put in when you feel like going out and getting loaded? And the guy said, "Um, Medicare only gave me one set of eyes, glass eyes. Nothing like a smart-ass attorney, huh? (laughs) Well, you you just have to listen to this guy. He he was. Um, um, no, what I, what I, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is that the cynicism, you know, the snarky cred that the attorney asked the guy, you got to be that way, okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. You got you got to be that way because these people sitting in a courtroom, you know, you know, five days a week, they they experience gallows humor just like we do you know, in, in our lives. I mean, there, we, we've had things happen and then you sit there and you, and, you, and, you know, you've had negative experiences with people, you know, your group or something like that. And you just look at each other and you go, unbelievable, you know, that kind of a thing. This is what these guys do, you know, and, and they're, they're going to be snarky. And I, I, I don't have any qualms whatsoever about, about being snarky in my, in my pleadings. <laughs> Well, it seemed to me the the point I got out of the the thing by the end of it was like the only way you can beat these people is to embarrass them into doing the right thing. There you and go. Otherwise, otherwise, they just won't do it. Dude, I swear to God, I'm watching this hearing today. Okay, I've watched two hearings, and unfortunately, it's been two women. These 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 two women. They were just mercilessly slaughtered by both Republicans and Democrats. These are two hearings on, on, on two entirely different things, okay? 
but it just happened that the two women were head of the respective agencies, okay, and they didn't they didn't they didn't demonstrate um any let, let me put it this way it was embarrassing it was just embarrassing all the all the Demo, the republicans and democrats they were doing their best not to sit there and go you know hurl profanity roll their eye and the, here's the funny part at this one hearing where this one lady who was head of this department was just being mercilessly attacked for she 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 was so unprepared it was it was it was embarrassing embarrassing sitting next to her was in fact an attorney a woman attorney and this woman attorney sitting next to the the, the head of this agency who was being grilled by <laughs> by these uh congress people this attorney was just sitting there putting her head, you know, in her hand, you know, just shaking her head no, while this other, while this woman is just saying this retarded, you can't believe how, how stupid, you know, and ill-prepared this woman. It was, it was painful to watch, but, hey, she deserved everything she got, man. And um, what, what came up today was a... Uh, um, a professor from Virginia Tech, it was actually Virginia Tech, I don't know if you folks were aware of this or not, but it was actually Virginia Tech that broke open this Flint, water Michi uh, Flint Michigan water crisis thing. So uh, a, a professor who's, who's uh, he's invested over $200,000 of his own money to investigate what's going on up there. Um, he's, he's, he, he, He's claiming that uh, the, the the folks in in Flint at the state level they didn't comply with federal law, and the uh, um, uh, they had submitted a FOIA requests going back like nine years for stuff, and just uh, just for things unrelated to Flint because that just happened within the last uh, year and a half, two years, but. Um, the, the, uh, one of the congressmen asked the, the, the professor from Virginia Tech after after the hearing that he was he was at a, a couple of months ago if if he got his FOIA request answered and he go you know as soon as the hearing and he goes well yeah as a matter of fact you know about a week after the hearing we got the FOIA request and so the congressman goes yeah it's always funny how a, how a congressional investigation seems to uh, Grease the grease the gears and gets gets things moving, you know. And people actually respond to uh, letters and FOIA requests, you know, after there's a congressional hearing, you know. And yeah, after they've been embarrassed, because yeah. these guys these guys are covering for each other. They would they, they don't understand what a lot of us don't 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 un seem to appreciate is the fact that uh, the folks in the black robes are assuming a risk. They're actually putting their careers on the line. Now, I mentioned before uh, the beginning of the call that I was putting together a uh, uh, a course. Actually, I, I, I found a course for pro-tems. Pro-tems are wannabe attorneys, and so uh, they have very, very, very limited judicial duties, but it's a way for them to get their feet wet. But, it, but 
there's still pro tems. Now, you don't have to have your case heard before a pro tem or a commissioner, but you can if you want. In any event, I found a course provided by the government of California to pro tems, and I copied it. And I read the whole thing, more than once, actually. And it's filled with uh, factual errors, misleading information. And by the time a pro tem gets done reading this course, they will be biased and prejudiced against you. So I decided uh, to uh, offer the government's course, which is a course that is uh, a put together by government employees for government employees. So what I'm asserting, this is my assertion, this is my claim, government employees are defrauding other government employees who then defraud the people they chose to work for, we the people. So at the very least, once this thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I finished uh, putting this, these packages together, I'll make them available. But if you want to know what a pro tem knows, that'll be available. And in that particular course, I've supplied two law review articles. Just reading these two law review articles and comparing them with the course offered by the state of California, you will see that my claim that government employees are defrauding other government employees is true. Now, if you'd like to actually know more than a misled pro tem, then there will be another course. You'll get the, the, the state's course. That I'll include that. And then I'm going to include um, a number of my essays. I've, I've got uh, uh, probably works in progress. Uh, I've got completed and I've, I've got over... 25 essays in various states. I've, I've got a bunch completed. I'm, I'm going to include at least seven essays on traffic issues plus the state course plus the law review articles plus the California criminal jury instructions plus two law dictionaries and a bunch of other stuff. So, if you want to know about as much as a pro tem, be reasonably informed, that'll be available. If you want to know more than a pro tem and you want to see what the, what the truth actually is and not this skewed crap that the state's offering their, uh, their crew, uh, this other <clears throat> package will be available as well. However, <clears throat> I'm still not uh, finished with, with it and uh, until it's something uh, that I like, I'm not going to make it available. I would like everybody who hears what I just said, though, to be aware that this document will be kind of a go-to document. It'll be filled, I mean, chock full of court citations on just about everything. Arrest, statutory construction, uh, judicial misconduct, prejudicial error, clearly established, all kinds. I've got index. I've got table of authorities, cases, you name it. It's just going to be just jam-packed, filled with information. So uh, I'm putting together what I would call a go-to document for me. 
If I need information about this, I go to this document. If I need information about that, I go to this document. If I need information about that topic, I'm going to go to this document. So basically, this is where I'm going to go if I need a court citation on whatever. That's what I'm attempting to build and offer to people to demonstrate that the government is misleading their employees, and as a result, they are misleading us. So there ain't too much justice, folks. It's up to us, and um, what I'm offering is the best information I can lay my hands on. And um, once my website is back in business, I'll let you know what it is, and you guys can go check it out. But uh, <laughs> until my customers pay me, I can't pay bills. So anyway, any other uh, anything else, folks? Yeah, I have a, a, a happen. Um, Status. Uh, whether uh, can you you know can you talk about like in terms of status whether political or legal status is there a difference that's cognizable like a point in yeah. case uh, they're congressmen and you know they have a status of congressman not congressperson and they have an official capacity as an officer and yeah. you know as one of the people you know one of the United States so when it comes to status. What you know? What do you think about that in terms of like what status? Well, well, my okay. Well, as far as status goes, okay. Number one, I'm a man. Okay. Uh, I don't use the word person. I'm one of the people. Okay. I'm also not an. I'm I'm also not an individual. Okay. There's a lot. uh, In dictionaries, we see that individual can mean someone. Well, okay. Uh, I, I I use the definition of individual to mean singular. So I'm not an I'm not an individual. I'm not a person. I'm a man, and my my correct status is California state citizen. Okay. So aside from that, and, and I'm domiciled in California. Okay. So what I just told you is true and correct. Now, if someone is a works in Congress, the real easy way to figure out what their status is, is to ask them, hey, what's your status? For example, I don't know uh, what the proper or correct term is to identify someone who's no longer a Marine. Is it former? Is that the proper? I don't know. But in any event, as far as status goes, um, when it comes to your car, the police and the people in traffic court are going to view you in the status of driver. That will be your status, okay? So the, the status, if you, don't, if you don't express your status otherwise, correct? In other words, the presumption is status, correct? Well, you hit the nail on the head, presumption, okay? So everything that you're going to be faced with in court is presumption. And yes, to your question about who you are. So their presumption is that you're a driver. Now, when I first got started doing this work, I I put all kinds of words, yeah, sui juris and all this other kind of happy crap, you know, all throughout my my uh my pleading. And then um you know, we had discussions about it and and then eventually I decided, you know what? I only need to identify myself once. And if nobody objects, guess what? I'm good to go, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in my pleadings, I always use um, my full name, but I don't use all caps. Okay? So I, 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 I do it the right way. And uh, if, you, if you look at one of my pleadings, it'll look like, okay, an attorney did it. Okay, great. And you won't see anything about my status until you get to the declaration. That's where I tell you what my status is. So I only do it once. Yeah, at the end of okay. the document. Close, yeah. close the document. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's another thing. I've been doing this for a very, 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 very long time. I have sent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of letters, and not, and I've, I've I've done so many. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people have a hard time getting information or what they want from government. They either don't respond or whatever. You're stonewalled, okay? You're shut out, okay? Now, <clears throat> what I figured out a long time ago was, you know what? If these guys don't read this whole thing, I got them, <laughs> okay? Now, I can, I can write briefly. I can, I can say quite a bit in about a page. You know, I don't, I don't need that much. When I first got started, a brief of mine, eh, typically 60 pages. That's not very brief. Well, <laughs> over the years, and uh, I'm a fairly pedantic kind of a guy, um, I've learned how to be a lot briefer. So what used to be 60 pages, I can slap in about uh, seven if you don't include the first page and then the declaration and proof of service, okay? So I can say what I need to say. I can tell you the story, what happened, and I can tell you all the points and authorities and conclusion within, you know, for a traffic stop, you know, uh, or, or even less, pages. So I've, I've dropped it dramatically. Now, if I want to be a jerk and I'm dealing with a government agency, I'm going to write something that may be eh, five, six, seven pages. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if they don't, and if they don't read every single word, they're going to miss the important ones that I stuck in there on purpose that they should have read because those few words right there. <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, I hate to inform you. Uh, you got no feet left. I'm sorry, but keep practicing. I know you'll get better at it. <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. You know, so um, you can put – here. here's something for you you folks to consider. <clears throat> um, if, you don't, if you don't want any objections, then um, plagiarize the hell out of court cases. Just copy and paste stuff that courts have held. You can't get in trouble for it. And then that way, if someone objects to it, they're not objecting to something you wrote. They're objecting to something the Supreme Court wrote. Isn't that funny? That's good. Yeah, check it out. There's this rule that applies to a judicial officers. It's called stare, S-T-A-R-E, like staring at somebody. Stare decisis. Stare decisis. Okay? Now, what stare decisis means is no uh, sergeant um, can, can countermand a general's order. So a traffic court commissioner 
cannot rule contrary to a court of appeals decision. So if the court of appeals held that infractions are not crimes and a traffic court commissioner comes along and finds you guilty for an infraction, oops, you got a judicial officer by the short hairs. Why? They broke a rule that applied to them, stare decisis. The doctrine of stare decisis tells us that no judicial officer can rule contrary to a court of superior jurisdiction. There's rules that apply to them. If we don't know what the rules are, we can't accuse them of breaking rules like they can accuse us of breaking rules. Yeah, and we have to express that in our draft. We have to know some of these rules just in case they try, they try to pull a fast one. Here, here, here's, um, have, have, you, have you been to uh, arraignment before? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I, I haven't. I haven't seen that proceeding. You know, do, 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 do you know what? Do you know what happens? Have you have you ever been to court and watched that happen? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to court, but uh, you know, I, I, okay. I, I hear, I hear right. the story. All right. All right. Here, here's what happens at arraignment. <clears throat> this is your first stop, okay, on the uh, court train. So you go there. You wait for your name to be called. You go up and. Uh, you know, if you're bold, you'll cross the bar. If you want to hassle with them and talk about that wooden divider, you know, and you're not going to cross it, that's fine, too. Whatever you want to do, it's your case. But uh, for me, hey, they want to play, all right. They may not like the way I play, but let's get it on. So um, your name's called, and whoever's wearing the black robe is going to tell you what you did, right? They're going to read you the charge, Okay. And then they're going to ask you to enter a plea, guilty, not guilty, no look contendere. Okay? That's what's going to happen. Here's a question for you. <clears throat> when you're accused of a crime, um, the people are the uh, plaintiff. They're the damaged party. Who's their attorney? DA. Exactly. Now, you're aware that sometimes... DAs choose not to prosecute, correct? Yes. And one of the reasons they choose not to prosecute is sufficiency of evidence, right? Right. Yeah, okay. But the fact is, the DA is the people's attorney. Now, when you get to arraignment, you're not going to have a complaint. You're just going to have a notice to appear. If there's no complaint, no damaged party, there's no case. Or here's a question for you. Who the hell's case is it? If the DA hasn't filed a case on behalf of the damaged party, there's no case. There's nothing for the court to fix. What does a court fix? Differences of opinion, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You say yes, I say no. You say stop, I say go, go, go. Right? We can't come to an agreement. That's what courts are for. So that we don't kill each other insisting we're right. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, cool. 
So we go to court, and uh, we get to arraignment, and the commissioner does the reading. But you find out the DA hasn't filed a complaint. What's wrong with this picture? The people, the damaged party hasn't complained. What are you doing entering a plea? Excuse me, Your Honor, I have a question prior to entry of a plea. Yeah, what's that? Uh, has the DA filed a complaint? Has anybody asked that? Do you know of anybody who's asked that question? Anybody in a court, in a traffic court case who's lost, has anybody that you're aware of asked that question that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware. Okay. And we can't figure out why the hell people are losing. Oh, man, those guys are just so bad. They're so mean. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but we're not smart. Now, you know, you know the, one of the coolest parts of asking that question is asking that question. Why? Because one of the things you're doing when you're going to court is making a record. Why do you want to do that? So you have a record. At the conclusion of this call, I want you to remember everything I said. <laughs> See? <laughs> right? You're not even going to remember everything you said. That's why we want to make a record. So when you go to court, one of the things you're doing is making a record. Why? Well, in case the uh, uh, judicial officer rules against you and you want to run it up on appeal, guess what the Court of Appeals does? It reviews a record. If there's no record, they can't review anything, right? Yeah. Now, if there's no record, what is there? They've got to have something to look at. So if there's no record, you know what they have? It's called a settled statement. Do you know what that is? Have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't, I haven't heard of it. Okay. If there's no record, then there's an agreed-upon statement by the defendant who's going to appeal and the judicial officer about what occurred in court, okay? Uh, sorry, Your Honor, I can't remember everything you said, uh, but it, uh, it's kind of like this. Is that about right? Well, it seems to be. I don't think I said that right there, but uh, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I remember you said that, and then you said that and that and that. Okay, great. So a settled statement is an agreed-upon paraphrase. Does that make sense? Because no. paraphrase, to paraphrase is not an exact duplicate. It's not a Xerox. It's not a copy, right? It's not a mirror image, right? Yeah. Okay. That's why we want to go into a courtroom, and, and one of the first things out of your face is, excuse me, Your Honor, are we on the record? Don't open your mouth until you're on the record. Excuse me, Your Honor, I have nothing to say off the record. Due respect, Your Honor, I have nothing to say off the record. I have nothing to say. Your Honor, I need a complete and accurate record for appeal purposes. Magic words, people, for appeal purposes. Magic words. Those are buzzwords. They're very, very important. For I, need a, I need a complete and accurate record for appeal purposes. Oh, and for my records. Because you're entitled to make a record of your own business, aren't you? Yeah, you are. So when you go in there and you ask a question like, Your Honor, has the DA uh, filed a complaint? Oh, no pro per asks that. 
They don't ask that question. Nobody asks that question. Guess who's going to get blindsided? That's right. So you need to, need to pay attention to what you're saying. You go in there, and, and if you know you're going to ask that question, hey, Your Honor, is the DA filed a complaint? You watch the facial expression because they've never heard that question before. And there's only one correct answer. If you hear anything other than the correct answer, you know it's BS. Because the DA doesn't, doesn't file criminal complaints for infractions, fine only offenses. They don't do it. It's just the cop, the defendant, and the judicial officer. The cop is the state's witness. The cop is not the damaged party. The cop did not prepare a criminal complaint. All the cop did was observe, arrest, and file a notice and he will testify as a state's witness. But wait a minute. How can he testify as a state's witness when the state's not there? Whose case is it when the DA doesn't file a case? Plaintiff must appear. Fine, but whose case is it? If the people don't file a case, there's nothing for the court to fix. There's no disagreement between me and the people if the DA doesn't file a complaint. Okay? It's got to be me and the cop. Well, the cop's not damaged. The cop's just a damaged party. Hey, excuse me, Your Honor. Here's another, here's another question for you. Uh, for the record, Your Honor, uh, will you please identify the attorney of record? They've never heard that either. Well... One of them has, because I asked it. <laughs> and you know what he said? I actually set the guy up. I, set the, I, I, I did a trick. I played a trick on, on the commissioner. Because I knew what was going on. And I wanted to see what happened. So I went, I went into arraignment, and I had a document with me. And I was going to file this document. And I was going to do it in open court but it was part of the trick. So <clears throat> I'm standing there, and the commissioner is telling me what's going on. He wants a plea. And I go, well, Your Honor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, file this uh, demur. And, and so I, I had it on the table in front of me, and I flipped it over uh, to the last page, which is the proof of service. And uh, I informed the commissioner that I needed the attorney of records name because I had intended to serve them uh, after I left court. Because you, you got you, you to make sure everybody gets a copy of your paper. You know, the DA, every, you know, everybody gets a copy as rule of thumb. So the DA gets a copy, the court gets a copy, you get your copy, blah, blah, and whoever else is part of the case. So uh, I went through this formality, and it was all a setup. Flipping to the last page, it was just a setup. So I'm looking down at the paper. I'm holding, I'm holding the flipped over pages with my left hand, and I'm about ready to write with my right hand. I'm looking down at the paper, and I, and, and again, I had asked the commissioner, you know, for the, the name of the attorney of record, and he goes, "Oh, that's the officer." That's what he said. It's the officer. Now, okay. Now, now comes the dramatic effect, okay? I hear that, 
and I slowly push myself up from the table and I take my left hand and I fold the papers back over, you know, because they, you know what I, you know, I put, and so I grab my pen that I was holding in my right hand with my left hand and I started rotating it in front of me, about chest, chest high. And I go, uh, now, and, and here's a visual for the commissioner. Now the commissioner is leaning on his desk. Right, so he's kind of forward, you know, writing or reading or whatever he's doing. And so I go, uh, the officer. And he goes, yeah, the officer. And I go, but isn't he the state's witness? And as soon as I said that, the commissioner slowly pushes himself back off the desk into his chair and clasps his hand over his chest. <laughs> and I believe. And I believe at that moment he knew what just happened. Because he, he goes, yes. And I said, let me see if I understand this, Your Honor. He's the arresting officer and he's prosecuting. I didn't care what this guy said or did. It was a setup. I was making the record. I got on the record what I wanted to get on the record that I intended to use against that freak. This guy didn't even know what he was supposed to do when someone didn't fail when someone failed to appear. Kid you not. I was sitting in court uh with a friend of mine. I was actually in court uh because um the case uh that that, that I had filed the paperwork to um it, it was actually uh recommended dismissed and so i was just there to be notified that the agency was recommending it be dismissed and they wanted my they wanted to notify me that's due process so my friend and i are sitting there in a courtroom and um we're waiting for uh you know the calendar to be called and the, you know, the commissioner comes out, and he's sitting there talking to the clerk, trying to figure out what to do with a failure to appear. I kid you not, my buddy, when he starts talking to the, about this, you know, well, what, what do we do? I turn, my buddy and I, we, we, it, it was like uh, unity of a purpose. We both turned and looked at each other and went, huh? We couldn't believe this dude didn't know what to do with a failure to appear, and he was having to ask the freaking clerk. They don't know what they're doing. And if we know some stuff, then, you know, it, we can take advantage of their screw-ups. They're going to screw up. There's more rules that apply to them than apply to us. It's a gut sense they're going to they're, they're break a rule. Foregone conclusion. I got two judges on the record, two judges admitting, stating on the record, they have no, there is no notice to appear. That's exactly what the two pieces of paper were. Two different judges, two different counties claiming there was no notice to appear. These guys are insane. You're sitting there looking at a piece of paper with the words notice to appear on it. And you got a judge, someone who went to law school, someone that you were taught is an authority figure to be respected. They're your elder. And they're sitting there telling you, we don't have a notice to appear, and that's exactly what you're holding in your, in your hands. That messes with your head. And you've got to be able to figure out in the moment how to deal with that. And, it, and under duress, it's not easy. 
but it does get easier the more familiar you, you become with the uh with the rules well, so one little, go ahead. one little story to go with that uh and I don't have any names or details or anything, but they wanted this guy to be a judge, and he said. Well, I don't know anything. I never went to law school. I'm not an attorney. I don't know anything about it. I'm a businessman. And so they said, well, read this little uh, booklet for judges. And he comes back and he says, oh, this is just business. I can do this easy. Yeah, I know. It's all down on, on contracts and stuff. I mean, the the the, the typical... Um, so-called traffic stop is for breach of contract. They don't want you to know this. And they sure as hell don't want you to talk about it in this way, but that's exactly what it is. You're pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt. That's breach of agreement. You agreed to wear a seatbelt. You're pulled over for talking on a cell phone. You agreed not to talk on a cell phone as a condition of getting the privilege. It's not difficult to understand. Don't Except hurt anybody. Go ahead. Except for the part that you agreed to a whole lot of stuff that you didn't know. Well, here's the thing, though. Remember, this is Section 520. That comes from the California Evidence Code. The accuser bears the burden of proof. So they're the one. They, if they accuse, they have to prove. You're innocent. Sir, when you walk into that courtroom and your name is called, even after you enter a plea, you're still innocent. And the only way you can be found guilty is by evidence and a witness. If there's no evidence, how the hell can you be found guilty? If there's no witness, how can you be found guilty? If there's no case, how can you be tried? If the DA doesn't prepare and file a case, how the hell do you get to trial? What does a cop do um, now in your state? Does a cop um, issue? There's uh, are there three copies of the uh, whatever paperwork they issue: the cop's copy, your copy, and then whatever other copy. Is that how it works where you are? Yeah. Okay, great. What does a cop do with with the two with the two copies once he gets back to the barn? Well, one of them's supposed to go to the. Uh... No, no. I asked you what he does with oh, what he it. Does Not. With it? I have no idea. Very good. I would encourage you to find out because that's part of the process. We don't know what they do. We don't know what our employees are supposed to do. So how the hell can we bust them? How do we know they're doing their job if we don't know what they're doing, what, what they're supposed to do? We get a copy. They're supposed to do something. Now, do they take it over to the court? How does the court get the paper? Does the court get Who knows? I have, a, I have not. I'm, I kind of know, but, you know, I I take care of my business you know you folks need to know this stuff what does a cop do with those two copies of the notice to appear citation once he gets back to the shop what does he do with them does the DA does the DA get a copy to take a look at where do you file a complaint 
a criminal complaint. You file a criminal complaint. I witnessed so-and-so punch so-and-so in the face. I, I witnessed so-and-so steal a Ford. You, you take that over to the DA's office. You prepare an affidavit. They take a look at it. If, there's, if they determine there's sufficient evidence to do something, they'll fire up a courtroom. In January, the DA in L.A. did two interesting things. I don't know if, if, if the other one was L.A., but in, in one case, uh, the DA chose not to prosecute a former California Highway Patrol officer who assaulted and battered an elderly woman um, who was walking along the freeway. She wasn't walking on the freeway, but, you know, on the shoulder, okay? So here's this lady walking down the shoulder with her stuff, a CHP officer stops, winds up, throwing her on the ground and, and, and sitting on top of her. And there's a photograph of the cop on top of the old lady, right? And then the heading in the Los Angeles Times is, DA uh, won't be prosecuting the officer. Insufficient evidence. Next to the picture, insufficient evidence. Huh? Sir, you caught it, okay? You caught it. Thank you very much. It, 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 is, it, 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 it requires no discussion. It requires mocking and belittling. You're, you, excuse me, Mr. M- Mr. DA, you're, you're not going to you're not going to prosecute the officer. What, what about this picture? Is, is what's he doing? Is he making love to her? There is that what that is? It's a, a sexual position. What's wrong with you? He's on top of the woman. On a, she's an old lady with her possessions. She's still got her possessions, and you're not going to prosecute the guy? He assaulted and battered the woman, for God's sake. Oh, and then, the, and then in the other case, where the cops not going to get prosecuted? This is even better. You want to watch murder? That's what happened. Cops chasing a guy. The car, guy's car flips. Flips, right? In an accident. Car rolls over. The, I guess the guy behind the wheel, he managed to, you know, start crawling out the top, you know, uh, 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 the other side of the car. He's coming through the window. He starts to push himself out. You know what the cop did as he's approaching? Shot him. Killed the guy. Not going to get prosecuted. It's all good. Insufficient evidence. Never mind the video. So, in any event, uh, I think, for me, uh, the more I know about these topics, uh, the more proficient I am at um, managing this stuff and discussing it, uh, the more effective I'm going to be in the presence of cons and people who are in abject denial because I'm a threat to their cash flow. That's what this is all about. It's control and money. That's what it's all about. It doesn't have anything to do with safety. You got, you got these, there's some folks over in Texas, uh, I think it's Fort Worth, and they have a big bus. I don't know if you guys saw this, this article, but they have a big bus, you know, like a tour bus, you know, big, huge uh, sightseeing tour bus thing, you know, like 50, 60 feet, one of those big monster things. And they fill them up with cops and they, and they go up and down the freeways looking for people on cell phones and not wearing seatbelts and stuff. 
that's uh, that's their solution to the uh, you're not wearing a seatbelt or you're talking on a cell phone dilemma that's causing so much murder and mayhem and all kinds of other stuff throughout the country. Okay, how much did the bus cost? Hmm. Okay, all you URV folks, come on. You know, 50-foot, uh, you know, bus like that, you know what I'm talking about. The, yeah, you know, the big old greyhound kind, only sightseeing type. Then you got, you know, six or seven cops with stripes on their shirts. Yeah, sergeants and corporals and stuff, and they're all in the aisle looking out. You know, five or six guys in the bus. We're talking man hours. Are they actually recouping their investment? Those guys are probably hauling in ninety to a buck twenty-five a year, <clears throat> maybe sixty to a hundred grand a year, something like that. They so got seven hundred grand on the bus. Well, you understand it as far as hourlies go, and their overtime if they're doing that maintenance of the bus. It's stupid, folks. They're not looking for people who are engaged in traffic. They're not discriminating. But you know what the court has. The court has discriminated. They have, they have acknowledged a distinction between the commercial and non-commercial use of, of the streets and highways. The police aren't doing that. And neither are, are, are the uh, uh, judicial officers in traffic court. They're not distinguishing. But you know what? The courts of appeal and the Supreme Court have, both state and federal. I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Guys, my, my law folder alone. Just my law folder. There's about 280 gigs. That's just for the law folder. I'm never going to read all that stuff or watch all that stuff or listen to all that stuff, but I got it. I know that what they're doing is illegal. Anything else? That's it for me now. I'm going to take all the stuff, uh, you know, all the varied information and do my homework. Yeah, uh, start with your codes. Uh, start with your codes. Um, head over to the head over to the vehicle code, and look for the procedures that apply to cops or you know law enforcement officers, and and see what word the legislature provided. It's going to be arrest. It's going to be in there someplace. There have to be procedures. So you want to take a look in your penal code as well, because there's arrest procedures in your penal or criminal code. There has to be rules for cops so they know what to do when they make an arrest. Making the arrest, there's got to be authorization for that, and then there has to be procedures for after they make the arrest. So if there's no authorization for the arrest, it's false. And what the cop did was break the law, okay? So go through your vehicle code, look for the rules that apply to cops, and look for the terms shall and may. What you're going to see is an officer may make an arrest. He may do it. He doesn't have to. So guess what, folks? Even when the officer observes a violation, he still doesn't have to pull you over. (laughs) Isn't that cool? That's a secret. Don't tell anybody. But you know what? Tell everyone you know. Why? Because cops don't have to pull you over even when they see you talking on a cell phone. I'm not suggesting anybody do anything illegal or reckless or dangerous or irresponsible. I'm just telling you the facts. 
even when the officer sees you going 10 miles over the speed limit, he's not required, he's not obligated, he has no mandatory duty to pull you over. You know who's in the nether region? That would be the officer on the street. I don't think they really know where they're at, but they're between us and the politicians. And they don't know what the politicians have actually done that actually benefit us, we the people, if we're sharp enough to locate it and then use it to our advantage. Okay, so look at your penal code. Look for the words shall and may. Those are really important. Specifically, peace officer shall or peace officer may, if that's the terms they use there, peace officer, to identify your guys. But if you see peace officer may, you know it's, it's discretionary conduct that they can do, and it's, got, and it's conditional. So all those conditions have to exist before the discretion exercise of discretion is valid. Okay. Okay. In the case of in the case of Officer Shell, is what he's got to do. If he doesn't do it, hey, he's got a problem. Now, in the case of a traffic stop for fine only offense, cops got a big ass problem because he's made a warrantless or she's made a warrantless arrest for non criminal conduct. That's a crime. Guess who can actually make a valid warrantless arrest under those circumstances? Yeah, that's right. I know. You see, we've actually got the ball in our court. We're just not using it very well. Anyway, thank you very much, folks. I appreciate everybody, um, you know, making the time to be here. And I hope I said uh, something that you guys can use. And um, I'll go ahead and as long as I have electricity and my uh, throat works, <laughs> next week we'll 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 do this. Uh, uh, same bat time, same bat station. So, um, again, thank you, everybody, and uh, happy hunting. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.